Welcome to part two of the final episode of the Bond Up podcast in season one. And Daniel, we're just going to get straight into it. We're going to talk about the men's and women's youth sports basketball national championship games. We're going to start with the women's side because we had the Queens Gales taking on the Carlton Ravens for the fourth time this season and literally the second time in two weeks in OUA finals rematch. Carlton won this game. 71 to 59. Callie Pockernick dropped 20 points. Carlton had a 20 point third quarter that saw them outscore the Gales 20 to 7, followed by a 25 point fourth quarter that saw them outscore the Gales 25 21 to win their second national championship in program history. Daniel, talk to me about this game. Man, this was a good game. Like you said, Carlton won 71 59. I think this game really proved that Carlton was the best team in country in the country the way they pushed back in the second half. And like you said, adversity was something that you thought that this Queens team didn't have, but Carlton did have. And that was the X factor why you picked them to win the OUA championship. And I agree, you know, because their back was against the wall down in the first half against a team that they were really familiar with. And they pushed back and like I said it last week, I said, you know, I think Callie Pocknick is the best point guard in the OUA. I think she's the best point guard in the country because you know what? She did it. She did it all. She won the OUA championship. She won the national championship. She did it all. If you don't think she's the best now, you got to put some respect on her name because she really was the main offensive facilitator in this game. And it's very clear to see that. And also for Queens, though, I think it was very disappointing to see like second team all-star Julia Chadwick not get a single point this game i think that's something that like you know what people didn't really look at but she she didn't score this game and you know she had her 12 rebounds and whatnot but she didn't score and that's the second team all canadian so for carlton to go out there and do that against julia chadwick a player who i had winning the OU mvp that just goes to show you the level of great coaching and excellence that this carlton women's team had throughout the whole year Big point. Yeah. Julia Chadwick, zero points. And Emma Welts, only three points. Those are two of your top scores, combining for only three points with the national championship on the line. I think that's a, a big stat to talk about there. The biggest thing I asked myself before this game was, is Queens really going to let Carlton beat them three times and two times in two weeks? Like, is Queens really going to let Carlton do that to them? And the, the answer is they did. You talk about this Carlton Ravens team from top to bottom. I think at least in the OUA, they were the most battle-tested team, the most well-experienced team. And I think, again, you said it already. My thing is experience in the good and the bad, because in the good, you learn things that you do good, that you can continue on. And in the bad, you learn that you learn about things you do bad so you can correct and eventually do good. And I think the Carlton Ravens have seen it all this year, whereas the Queens Gales have not. For me, going to that fourth quarter, after having a third quarter where they only scored seven points and Carlton scored 20, for me, I was looking at the Queens Gales and I was saying, oh my gosh, their back is really against the wall now. Can they really pull this one out? For them, credit to them, they kept fighting. They kept fighting literally up until there were five seconds left in the game. They brought the, they brought the lead down to single digits at one point. For Carlton, shout to them. I said this last week and there's always so much emphasis on the men's program we never realize how great the women's program is but the women's program is just as great no they don't have as many national championships but the women's program has been one of the most consistently great teams in OUA basketball for a long time and so you got to put more respect on their name uh, so I think it's fitting to see Carlton women's win this national championship this year uh, so shout out to them I think it was a great game again if you watch the men's game you did miss a great women's game but like I said vice versa if you watch the women's game 
you missed a great men's game. And let's get straight into the men's game because the Carlton Ravens took on the hometown St. FX X-Men in front of a sold-out Scotiabank Center in Halifax. And listen to this. In a game that featured a 23-point lead by St. FX, a 23-point comeback by Carlton, a game-tying three by Aiden Wordholtz to force overtime, and then a game-tying three by Aiden Nava to force double overtime, the Carlton Ravens defeated the St. FX X-Men 109-104 to to win their 17th national championship in program history. What a game this was. I get chills just kind of like recapping that because <laughs> that was crazy. Daniel, talk to me about your thoughts. Chills is right, man. Chills is right. This is, uh, for the fans listening, you guys know how much I had X winning. I had X, you know what, my bracket, it turned out actually perfectly. My bracket did turn out perfectly except for the finals. <laughs> except for the finals, I was very close to a perfect bracket. But nonetheless, though, my dad told me after watching this game, he's like, you know what? Dynasties, you don't break dynasties like that. You don't break dynasties. And like you said, Deshaun, like this is the best collegiate dynasty in North America. It's the best. No matter what, you can say we don't, you know, whatever, say whatever you want to say about the league down south, but this is the best dynasty. 17 national championships. Aiden Warren's even had to correct the announcers and say, you know what, it's actually four in a row that we're winning right now. And the double overtime, man, it was a great game. I think this was the best U sports game that, like, anyone who's ever was at that game is ever going to see again because you're not going to get a game like that. Not a double overtime championship game. Come on now. David Navado, 30 points. David Muenkat, 31 points, 11 rebounds. Shout out to David Muenkat, man. I think last week I said he's going to show Canada that he's one of the best players in the nation. And I think he did that. I think it's very fair to say that, you know what, after Thomas Kennedy, he's the next best player in the country. And he proved it week in, um, game in and game out. Carlton, though, they had all starters and double figures this game. Four of the five starters scored 20-plus points. That was a we-all-can-go mentality. Everyone was locked in. Everyone was there. I know the focus was on Aiden Warnholtz because he was the closer. But let's not forget about that Connor Vreekin three. Let's not forget about Wazir Latif, you know, coming off the bench when Aiden Warnholtz was in foul trouble to, you know, help bridge that gap from 23 to, I think, I believe it was 15 or 13 going into the half. Listen, this call to team... They all could go, and they all proved it. When you have four out of five starters scoring 20 points, I don't care if it's double overtime. 20 points is 20 points. So shout out to them and just, you know, putting their heart and not giving up in this game because, you know what, like I said, dynasty and champ- championship mentality, it's instilled in you. And this, this college team, they face a lot of adversity, you know, uh, almost losing to Waterloo, almost losing to Guelph, almost losing to Ontario Tech. But those games built character, built adversity, so they know when their backs are against the wall, they know what, they can close it out. And I think that that's what they did this tournament they close it out and like i said they don't care about the oua they care about the national championship you can never count them out you can never count on the dynasty you can never take you know you can never take down a dynasty that easily but it was nice to see a team finally competing with carlton in the finals compared to last year i'll tell you that for sure this game had everything when i mean everything i mean this game had everything yes we had the two undisputed best teams in the nation going at it but then we had an amazing pro St. FX crowd. We had two of the best on commentary. And then listen to this. This game even had player introductions. Player introductions. Can you believe that? This, this, this did not feel like 
the stereotypical U sports basketball game that we're used to seeing. This felt like the prototype of what U sports basketball can be on the national stage on TV. We this game got everything. Um, we got everything from this game. What a roller coaster this game was in the first quarter. You know, seeing St. FX get off to an amazing lead, getting the home crowd involved in this. Everybody, you know, on their feet for this team. Dondre Reddick, big slam. Uh, David Moycat, just bodying people, letting them know they're too small. Them OUA boys are too small. And then, like you said, in the second quarter, seeing Carlton slowly make that comeback and, you know, shrink that lead down. And seeing that Connor Vreekin three that, you know, shrunk that lead down from 23 to just 13 heading into halftime. And you knew, you knew that there was going to be that, that, you know, that search from Carlton in the second half. And then you just saw that search come to fruition, right? And you saw them get back in that game and you saw them tie that game in the third quarter, take the lead at one point in, in, the, in the late third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, they were just going back and forth. They were just going back and forth. And I'm, when I tell you there was a stand-up moment, really and truly, I look at this game, and again, a lot of people are saying that this was the greatest U sports men's basketball game of all time. A lot of people are saying this could possibly be the greatest U sports basketball game of all time. And what I would have to say to those people is if you were to say that, it would not be an over-exaggeration of any sorts. Yo, listen, I'll, I'll even go as far as, as to say that this is, after the Kawhi shot, this is the second best game on Canadian soil. I think after the Kawhi shot, I think this is the second best Canadian game on soil. This is how entertaining it was. And the crowd and just the vibes of the atmosphere. It's not just the play style. But after the Kawhi shot, I'm trying to think what other game could be, you know, that we could put above this game. And that's how good this game was. And that's just my personal opinion. That's my take on it. That's how good of a game this was. Okay, hold on, hold on. So let me just say a couple things there. First off, I just want to give a humble brag. I got to be at the game, the Kawhi shot game. I saw that live. I just want to give a humble brag. Um, Shouts to my boy, Josh Brown, who actually goes to St. FX, who was at that game with me in 2019. Uh, So I'll say this. Order of greatest Canadian games of all time, okay, on Canadian soil. First game, you got to go the Kawhi shot. Second game, I think you have to go Game six of the 2019 NBA Eastern Conference Finals. So when we sealed the series to punch our ticket to the NBA Finals, because that was like, I think that was like, yeah, yeah, you got to put that, you got to put that number two, because I think that was, that was the first time where like the city of Toronto just crowded the streets. That was the first time that happened, you know? So I think you got to put that number two, because that was like, oh my gosh, this is actually how that dream has become a reality. I remember that day I was, I was literally like in the streets crying. So you got to put that number two, okay? Number three, you got to put, Game one of the 2019 NBA Finals. Because it was the first, brother. It was the first, okay? You got to put that. The first finals game on Canadian soil. We won the game. We beat down Golden State. And then number four, I think number four, you put Carlton versus St. FX for the 2023 National Championship. I think you put that number four. You know what? But that's good company. Yes, that's yes. great company. I agree, because, yes. Because what that Toronto Championship did for Canada – it's something that, you know, what youth sports will never be able to do for Canada. But to have them there at number four after, you know, three games of Kawhi Leonard just being the best yes. player in the NBA, I'll take that. I'll take yes. that. Absolutely. Yo, yes, I, I would say, yes, 
the fact that it's a top five basketball game in the history of Canada, done right there, you know, so lock it in. Uh, but no, I, I, again, we just talked about, right? So top five game in the history of Canada. <laughs> Definitely the greatest U-sports men's basketball game of all time. Definitely the greatest U-sports game of all time. I think, to be honest with you, we're going to look back on this game 10 years from now, and we're going to say this game was a where were you when type of game. It's going to be where were you when St. FX and Carlton went at it in Halifax. What were you doing when St. FX and Carlton went to double overtime for the national championship? Where were you when Aiden Warnholtz hit that prayer from the three-point line to force overtime? Where were you when Aiden Nava hit that big-time three to keep St. FX alive to force double overtime, right? I think that's what's going to be 10 years from now. That's how special this game was. The only thing that could have made this game better is if St. FX won. Because we know if St. FX won, all those fans would have stormed the court. And it truly would have been a core memory. Like, you would have had the memory of St. FX, National Championship, Avon Nava on people's shoulders, David Moynkan on people's shoulders, DeAndre Reddick still yelling because he yells, like, all the time right, during games. You know, you would have had so much fans on the court, right? I think that would have been the only thing that could have made this game better is just that moment of St. FX winning the game and the storyline of, this small school from Etiquette National Nova Scotia taking down the national powerhouse dynasty, the greatest dynasty in the history of North American sports at the collegiate level to win the national championship. That could be the only thing that could have made this game better. But aside from that, the, it didn't happen. And even though it didn't happen, we still got the greatest youth sports game of all time. So <laughs> that says enough. But I got, I got to say, and I think I speak for both of you and I when I say thank you to St. FX and Carleton. Thank you to those two teams for real. But I think the legacy of this game is going to live longer uh, than any opinion or any championship or anything. This, the legacy of this game is going to live forever for a long time. It's going to have a lot of impact on youth sports going forward um, and Canadian basketball going forward because of what we saw. Yo, I have to give a big shout out to Taffy Charles. I think what I think he faced a lot of pressure this year without with losing his players and they were losing games and you know we were saying you know it's time to hit the panic button is this the same Carlton is Carlton done a lot of a lot of pressure from the media from Carlton alum because you know what to be put in a position to where we got to win a championship after losing like you know one of the best players that the youth sports ever seen in Lloyd Pandy and then now coming a year where it's like you know what the OUA is a lot more competitive youth sports is more competitive and you know what they found a way to win. I think that Carlton system is that, you know, they may not have the flashiest or best, you know, what skilled players, most physically athletic players, but they drop systems. They drop plays where like their players are going to get open. Connor Vreekin, do you see that shot where he was open? He was wide open because they know that Aiden Warren was going to draw a double team and he's going to kick it out to Vreekin. You know, on the inbound play where I think they were, they were up to, he just did a quick pass into Grant Shepard and quick basket. I think just the, the, what coaching did to come back from 23 against another great coach like Tyrell Vernon, I think that speaks a lot about um, Charles. And you know what? He didn't get enough recognition, you know what, from other pages and whatnot because the focus was on Aiden Warnold and them being 17-time champions. But he's the chess master in that game. And like you said, it came down to coaching. And to come back from 23 is not just players only. you got to go in the locker room, chew out your team, drop some stuff, and chip back into the game because St. FX is no joke team. You had all odds against you, really, if you're Carlton. And for you to come back as a coach and get your team back, and you know what? Even he played Aiden Warnold for that whole fourth quarter with four fouls. You got to give a big shout out to um, Taffy Charles, man. I think you make such a huge point there. And 
I think, listen, if you look at Carlton this season, they lost Lloyd Pandy last season, right? He graduated. They lost Alan Louis last season. He graduated. So they lost the two people that, you know, were responsible for the previous area of, era of success that they had. They came into the season. Obviously, they had their win streak. They're going to win their games. But they had, they had a couple of rough patches where they were almost losing games to teams like Waterloo, Ontario Tech. Um, they lost to U of T. They lost to TMU. They lost to Queens. People had Queens seen as a team that could take down Carlton. People had Ottawa seen as the team that runs the city of Ottawa. And then they didn't even win the OUA championship. They didn't even win the OUA finals. They entered the, tur- they entered the tournament not as OUA champions. And they still make a run to the national championship and they win it. There could be an argument that this championship, the 2023 championship for the Carlton Ravens, might be one of their hardest championships of the 17 that they've won in their program history. This could be one of the hardest championships that they've ever won, given every single scenario that they were faced with this season. Seriously. And, and, and then on top of that, remember, we said it all year, this team didn't have no dominant number one that made people scared. This team didn't have a Thomas Kennedy or a Diego Mafia or a David Moycat. This team didn't have nobody like that that was in MVP consideration. Nobody like that. But they still managed to get it done. So this, there's, a, there's a serious argument that could be made that will be made for a long time about whether or not the 2023 championship is the, the hardest one that the Carlton Ravens have ever had to win. Now, I'm sure that their earlier ones, they might have encountered some stuff that were, that were just as challenging. And heck, that was stuff when we were a little kids. So we came in, we came in and talk about it like we remember it. We got to go back and, you know, watch the film. But we can definitely say of our lifetime, what we've seen from Carlton, this is the hardest so far. To touch on, Ta- on Taffy Charles. This is a man that took over for Dave Smart, the most accomplished coach in the history of Canadian University basketball. He took over for that man. And by taking over for that man, he had a boatload of pressure on his shoulders. And he is not disappointed once. Not once has he ever disappointed. Not once has he ever even given someone a reason to think that he was not deserving of being the next in line to take on this job and lead this program into this next era of greatness. Taffy Charles has lived up to the hype as the successor to, to Dave Smart. So we got to give him love. And we again, we got to highlight to have a black head coach come in and just as a head coach, accept all that pressure, but also be one of the few black head coaches in the country to come in and never give anyone a single reason to doubt you. Never have a blemish on your record in the time that you've taken over this job. We got to give this man a round of applause because he has been greatness. Um, so I just want to say those two things about Carlton, right? This might be their toughest championship that they've ever had to win. And Taffy Charles has lived up to the hype and more. And he's already creating his own legacy now as one of the greatest head coaches in the history of this game. So we got to give them a shout out. Daniel, what more can we say, man? Like last thing I want to say, like, I don't think people understand like the impact that this tournament is going to have on esports basketball, more specifically AUS basketball. I think that, I'm happy that both women's and men's hosted because, again, like there's not much coverage out there in the AUS as you find in Ontario or the Canada West. You can just tell by looking at AUS homepage, you know, AUS team social media pages, et cetera, et cetera. This right now is going to open a floodgate of recruitment to the AUS, and the AUS is only going to get stronger from this. And I already seen it. Dalhousie got two good recruits from Ontario going there you know, next year. I've seen some recruitments in high school. So it's already starting to create a wave of what Tyrell Vernon has done at St. FX and with the history of Dalhousie there and now UPI with Elijah Miller now. It's like, okay, 
the AUS is now having teams. And I said it before. I said it before in the first episode. I think this is the year that an AUS team can go to the final. I said that in the first episode. And it showed us today. It showed us this weekend. And I'm happy for it because you know what? It's time to, you know, level up the balance. You know, if Carlton wins five more championships and all championship games go to double, double overtime, I'll be okay with them winning again. Because you know what? At least teams are now competing with them. Last year felt like a very easy championship. They beat Saskatchewan by like 20 points. You know, that wasn't fun to watch. But this game, you were glued in, even when they were down, because you were still like, you know what? Are we going to witness Carlton lose here? You know? So I think that the AUS getting stronger and now Canada West getting better now with players like Diego Mafia, who we haven't seen come out in Canada West in a long time. It's so good for you sports basketball because a lot of top talent that went to the States is coming back here to play. In, at, in, at the youth sports level because they see the CEBL is there. They see the success that it has. You know, high school players now are now double-guessing. Do I, do I go to a mid-major D1 in the States or do I come and play at, you know what, TMU and start my career from there? And I think that trend now is going to get even better because of what this youth sports finally did in at Cape Breton and at the Scotiabank Arena in Halifax. I agree. I couldn't agree with you more. This was the best possible impression that you sports basketball could have given off on the national stage. The best possible impression. And you talked about on the AUS. Now they're, you know, they're recruiting now in other pools of Canada. And you look at some of these teams, right? You look at, for example, you look at UPI, Elijah Miller. Where is he from? Rexdale. You look at David Moycat, St. FX. Where is he from? Brampton. You look at Tyrell Vernon, head coach, St. FX, coach of the year. Where is he from? Hamilton. Right? So you're having... You're having a lot of these players now. Even look at Kira Letlow. Kate Brandon, where is she from? Toronto, right? So you're having all these dominant players now. People are going to be seeing these dominant players on the national stage who are playing at, in these different parts of the country. And they're going to be like, yo, they're from, they're from where I'm from. And I can play on that stage? And then now think about it. Once you start getting into recruiting now and you start learning that, hey, you can go out east and they can pay for more of your tuition. They could give you this. They can give you those things within the rules. And then when you start learning, if you're playing men's basketball, if you're good enough, you can play in the CBL, get professional experience. The salary that you make in the CBL is going to go towards your tuition. And then when you're done and you're graduated, you're a well-polished player who can get picked up by maybe a Raptors 905 or get invited to a 905 camp or go play overseas. It's going to be appealing for a lot of these high school players to want to stay home in Canada and be around their families and play youth sports basketball. Thomas Kennedy right now, he's finishing off his career. What we see happen with Thomas Kennedy at the next level is going to dictate a lot of what the future is like for some of these kids in Canada. Because a lot of these kids in Canada are going to be looking at Thomas Kennedy and they're going to be saying, they're going to be looking at his journey and they're going to be saying, this is a kid that played youth sports basketball, played in the OUA, played uh, two, three seasons in the CBL, played for Global Jam, for Team Canada and Global Jam, got all this experience, and now look at him, he's playing whether it be overseas or maybe he'll get a G League, you know, camp invite, whatever it is. But a lot of people are going to be really glued to Thomas Candy's journey because that's going to be us learning what it looks like for these youth sports players after they graduate in the new youth sports ecosystem, which includes the CBL, which includes Global Jam, which includes the game just getting better and more guys coming back from the States, right? So listen, man, I, I could talk about it. We could talk about this all day. But the, the fact of the matter is, if you're listening to this podcast, the reality is youth sports basketball is getting so much better. And there is so much more appeal now for some of these players to stay in Canada and be here than go to the States and go to, like you said, a mid D1, you know what I'm saying? Or go to a JUCO. You can be here and have such a better experience and get so much better, play professionally. You can't go to the NCAA and play professionally in the summertime. I'm sorry, you can't do that. 
you're going to lose eligibility. They're going to ban you. <laughs> you ain't never going to play again, right? But the fact that you can come to Canada, be here and play professionally, that's, that's so unique. That's something that you're not offered anywhere else. So um, I think this tournament, again, this tournament is going to do so much for you, sports basketball. And if you haven't watched the games, I encourage you to go watch the games. Go, go on YouTube, watch these games. They're there. Go on CBC Sports, watch the, the final, the, the, the men's and women's finals. They're there. They're there for you to watch. Go watch these games because um, the, re the, re the reality is it's some of the best basketball you'll ever watch. Um, but aside from that, Daniel, it's a wrap, bro. And just like that. And just like that, it's over. Yo, what's that um, what's that Boys to Men song? Uh, what's that Boys to Men End of the road. I don't know if this is Boys to Men. Hold on. It's so hard. To say goodbye. What song is that? Yeah, that's, that's Boys to Man. But I found yeah. a song I was thinking. I was thinking of a different Boys to Man song. <laughs> What's the man song were you thinking about? End of the Road. Because it's the end of the road. But it's not really the end of the road. It's just a roadblock. Yeah. No, I think. Yeah, that's Boys to Man. Yeah. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. That's a, that's a big track, eh? That's a big <laughs> if track. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> all right but listen uh we're we're gonna be taking a hiatus we're gonna be taking our short off season but please stay tuned because there are gonna be some off season episodes coming up from your boys here at the ball and up podcast about the off season hopefully we'll begin to speak with some athletes we'll be talking a little bit about the cbl and we'll be getting you ready before you know it for the next youth sports season uh so for the final episode of the ball and up podcast for the 2022-2023 season it's your boy Deshaun stevens and your boy Daniel Noel, signing off. Peace and blessings always.